Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Genesis chapter 37 and verse number one says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. There are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Biha and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Now I want you to go all the way to the end at Revelations chapter 21. Revelations 21 and verse number one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea and i john saw a holy city new jerusalem coming down from god out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband prepared as a bride adorned for her husband i want to preach to you this topic today a bride adorned everybody say a bride adorned Let's put down our Bibles and lift up our voices right now. Lord, we pray that you would enter into this room right now, God. We know your presence is here, God, but we pray that you would move on our hearts, move on our souls, God. I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. I've come to be changed. I've come to hear your word today, and I believe it, and I receive it today in your mighty name, Jesus. Can you give a hand clap today as you're seated today? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I love vacations. Do y'all love vacations? Aren't they just the greatest? You remember those? Remember being able to have vacations? Remember when you could leave the house and not have to worry about what their restrictions were, where you were going? Like having the ability to just, you could just go anywhere. You could just decide, yeah, I'm going to go and do it. You remember how awesome that felt? What great memories. Now you have to add so much details just to your little trips. I can remember we were going uh, somewhere just for a weekend trip in Indy, and uh, it was just going to be, you know, a weekend trip to go there and come back. You know, before all this mess, you would just drive up there, you'd stay, do whatever you want, and go back. That's it. That was all the planning. (laughs) But that was before, you know, like 2020 and all that craziness. But now... uh, you, you have to find out what the hotel's restrictions are, where you're going to stay, okay? All right, now you have that in check. Now, whatever you want to do, you have to find out what their restrictions are and what their guidelines are. So after you find that out, okay, where do you have to wear a mask? Do you have to have hand sanitizer? Do you have to do all this? I mean, it's crazy what you have to plan into your vacations. Yeah. Now, one of my all-time favorite vacations was actually uh, when me and my wife went on our honeymoon. We went on a cruise to the Bahamas. 
I love the Bahamas. That was the first time I've ever been. I was so nervous because I don't know if you guys know this, but your boy can't swim. And I was on a big metal ship in the middle of a lot of water. Like, if this thing was to go Titanic on me, I'm going straight to the bottom. There is no hope. Don't even try. I'm dead. Like, going to see Jesus, dead. I'm gone. But I was able to get over that fear of dying and drowning in silence. And I was able to have a great time with my wife. We had some of the best food you could ever imagine. At that time, the brand new Avengers movie came out. And I was able to watch it under the starry sky at the top of the boat. It was awesome. We swam with dolphins, did all sorts of cool stuff. Went to the beach. It was awesome. But the moment that I stepped back into my home was the moment that made it best. Because it was at that place where I could go, I'm at home. Have you guys ever felt like that? When you get back home and you're just, all that just went away? Nothing brings me more rest than being at home. Nothing brought me strength like going back to my home. Yeah, I was in paradise in the Bahamas, but it was the moment that I got back home that I felt at peace. Yeah, this world may be nice. Yes, the Lord has worked and made this home a beautiful place, but let me tell you today, this isn't my home. This world isn't where my final destination is. This place isn't where my hope is. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, I get to see the beauty in this world, but this world is nothing compared to where my home's at and the rest I'm going to receive when I'm at home and the peace I'm going to receive when I'm at home. Do you still believe that, church? Do we still believe that there's a greater home than this? Let's go to the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. Now, until this time, Joseph had been raised by Israel and has, had, has now had his dreams. We all know the dreams that Joseph had, dreams that made his brothers jealous. They were jealous because the father showed Joseph love. It kind of seemed like he was the favorite. He gave Joseph a coat of many colors. I want you to note that this is the first coat that Joseph would wear in his life, but it wasn't going to be his last coat. His brothers then throw him into a pit and sell him to slavery. That is the second coat that he would wear. First was the coat of many colors. The second was that of a slave. But in chapter 39, we see that Joseph has found some favor. Verses 1 says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand and Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand that's kind of a jump you go to slave to be an overseer of Potiphar's house verse 5 then tells us the next coat that Joseph would wear and that was the coat of an overseer so he wore the coat of many colors the coat of a slave, and now he's an overseer. We then kind of know what happens next. Some of you are familiar with the story. Potiphar's wife then wants to sleep with Joseph and then lies that Joseph tried to rape her. 
Potiphar, believing his wife, then throws Joseph into prison. Joseph then takes off the coat of an overseer and puts on the coat of a prisoner. I mean, this dude's closet is starting to stack up with coats. He's got a lot of them now. Most of, this, most of us know this story by heart, but if you would let me indulge for a moment. Joseph had been told that he was going to do great things by God. He had been given dreams and visions. His father loved him and catered to him. And that made him hated by his brothers. His, he had dreams, but then he was sold into slavery. He had composure from distractions with Potiphar's wife, yet he was thrown into prison. How does that look like favor? Some of you have been told that God has given you favor, yet you're still struggling with things. God, you promised me great things, yet it seems like you've been stripping all of them away from me. You take me away from my family. You throw me into slavery. You throw me into an evil country in Egypt. You make me work for someone whose wife is trying to make me have an affair with her. You put me in a country that is full of idolatry. And when I stand for what I know is right and I fight against sinning against you, you have me thrown in prison. How does this make sense? How does it look like favor? Where are my sheaves, God? Where are my sheaves that are supposed to be bowing unto me, Jesus? Where is the sun and the moon and the 11 stars that are supposed to be bowing unto me? Where are your promises, God? Because prison doesn't look like favor right now. Prison doesn't look like my sheaves are supposed to be bowing unto me. What are you doing, God? Can you imagine the nights that Joseph spent alone in his cell, just him and God? I bet he had a lot of conversations like that. Why is my life a roller coaster? Why was I favored, then sold into slavery? Why was I put as an overseer, then thrown into prison? What is going on, God? Am I favored or am I not? Do you love me or don't you? Are you with me or are you not? You see, in the middle of your prison, there's still times where you can get a hold of God. In the middle of your battle, in the middle of your situation, know this, that God is not too far to hear your call. Joseph stayed connected with God, and I would even dare to say that his faith grew in the middle of his prison, because whenever he was an overseer in Potiphar's house, he had good faith. Whenever things were going good, when he was in his father's house, it was okay, but it was in the middle of prison. It was in the middle of slavery that his faith began to grow, because he got deep, deeper connected with God. It's easy to have faith when life is good, but what about when you're in prison for something that you didn't even do? This is when God was fine-toothing Joseph for the moment that he was going to be needed. You see, Joseph just hasn't found his moment yet. So now we see in chapter 40 that Pharaoh got mad at his chief of butlers and his chief of bakers and had them cast in the prison with Joseph. I bet there were more cells, but I think it was kind of important that they were thrown in with Joseph. Genesis 40 and verse number 8. And they dreamed a dream, both of them. Each man his dream in one night. Each man according to the interpretation of his dream. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in prison, and Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the word, 
in the word of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. Look what Joseph says here. And Joseph said unto him, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Do not interpretations belong to God? Sometimes God is going to send you some people to reaffirm his promises to you. You see, in the middle of his prison, he would have thought, those sheaves are never going to bow down to me. The star and the moon and the sun, they're never going to bow down to me. But it took a baker and it took a butler to get thrown into prison to reaffirm Joseph. Those those dreams, that's still God. Those interpretations, those are still of God. I have not forgotten them. I will not throw them away because I can remind myself. I'm reaffirming myself because what you're going through, it's kind of like what I'm going through. And I know that if he's given you dreams and he's given me dreams, that he's going to promise that. Yes, Joseph had every reason to give up on his dreams. He had every reason to walk away. Yet in the midst of confusion and worry and doubt, he still says, do not interpretations belong to God. He was saying, I still know who I am. I still know what's going to happen. This isn't the end. This isn't my final destination. I'm going to end up victorious. This isn't my end of my story. Prison isn't your end of your story. Your situation isn't where it ends. Your promises are still coming forward. This isn't my last coat I'm going to wear. Joseph kept the faith and became second in command over all of Egypt. You see, he entered into Egypt a slave. Now he's got control over the whole country. So I've come to remind you, don't get used to the coat that you have on right now. Because it's not the last one you're going to wear. That coat may be uncomfortable. Maybe the coat of prison doesn't suit you. It wouldn't suit me. It may be uncomfortable, it may be tight, the material may be rough, but just know this, that there is more to come. There is something amazing that happens when the church gets connected back to God in a time of need. Know this, because it seems that when desperation comes, so does my redemption. You see, it took a butler and it took a baker for Joseph to realize that his promises are still there. But it also gave him an opportunity to seize the moment that God had destined him for his entire life. He had to go through the coat of many colors. He had to go through the coat of a slave. He had to go through the coat of an overseer and then the coat of prison to become the coat of of second in command. When I'm in the middle of my prison, there is a seat at the table for me. There is a coat on the other side of that cell waiting for me. If I could just stay connected with God in the middle of my prison, I know this coat is not my last one. I've got another one waiting for me. Know that things still change when I'm in the presence of God. Mountains still move in his presence. Chains still break in his presence. I receive breakthrough in his presence. Are you thankful for the presence of God today? Somebody ought to stand to your feet and shout unto him right now and say, God, I'm thankful for your presence. I know in the middle of my prison that I still get connected with your presence. Come on, somebody. It takes a move of God to realize my prison isn't my final destination. 
things change when I get in the presence of my God. Now I'd like to jump to Isaiah chapter 40. We see the prophecy of someone that is going to be very important in the New Testament. In Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 and 2. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. That her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now look at this. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. There is coming a voice in the wilderness. Now let's go to Luke. And in Luke, we see this prophecy come to action. Luke chapter 1 and verse 36, we see the angel Gabriel. And he had been sent to Zacharias and Elizabeth. To let them know that in their old age, that they were going to bear a son. And six months after that, Gabriel had another little chat with a virgin named Mary. Now, I love this story of John because it was also prophesied about what was going to happen with John. Now, I want you to know one thing about this story. That this instances, these few instances has been some of the first times that God has spoken in over 400 years. And it was reaffirming a prophecy in Isaiah. And that was speaking to two women that they were going to bring forth sons. God's presence hadn't been felt in over 400 years. Silence from heaven for decades and decades. But look what happens next. Luke chapter 1 verse 39. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias. And look at this. And saluted Elizabeth. That's it. Saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth just heard the salutation of Mary, that the babe in her womb leaped in, in for joy. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now look at this. There is something in the supernatural that just happened in this situation. Because things change when the presence of God steps in. Now it was just when Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary. She didn't hear the voice of Jesus. She didn't hear the voice of God. She didn't have to hear the heavens open up and God speak down from thunder. It was the voice of a virgin mother. That was carrying the presence of God. There is something amazing happens when the presence of God steps in. It fulfills prophecies and it fulfills promises that you've been given. So John receives the Holy Ghost in the womb of his mother Elizabeth. He begins to jump in the womb. In the womb, John was putting on a new coat. He hadn't breathed his first breath. He hadn't taken his first steps. He hadn't even spoken his first word. And this dude is already putting on a new coat in the womb. 
I love what one scholar says. It says that when John was leaping in the womb, that it was echoing what David did when he brought the ark back to Jerusalem in the Old Testament. Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 12. And it was told King David saying, The Lord had blessed the house of Obadam, and that all pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obadam into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord and had gone six paces he sacrificed oxen and fatlings I can't go ten six steps without praising God because whenever I bring the presence of God there becomes something inside of me sitting in the womb John was doing what David had did hundreds of years before There is power in the presence of God. You see, David didn't care what was going on around him. He didn't care what people thought of him. They called him radical. They probably called him non-essential. But David knew that he needed to get in the presence of God because Jerusalem needed the presence of God. And he was going to do whatever it took. It didn't matter if death stopped him. Hell couldn't stop him. Nothing else could stop him. He was going to bring the presence of God back. John echoed David as David was echoing Joseph in his prison cell. It took a presence of God to change their whole situation. You see, John didn't follow protocol of the day in the womb. Sorry, but a baby receiving the Holy Ghost in the womb wasn't protocol that day. He didn't enter into the tabernacle. He didn't go through the the skins to enter into the Holy of Holies. He didn't go to the labor. He didn't go to the altar and put his sacrifice down and burn it up. He didn't go buy the shoe bread. He didn't walk into the Holy of Holies. (laughs) In fact, the Holy of Holies walked to him. God sought John out and in the womb he was made new. All of this was made possible because John was going to be the voice of something greater than himself. If he was going to be the voice for the presence of God, he was going to have to be something miraculous. John was only made new in the womb because the very Son of God had entered into the womb. It's been 400 years since I felt the presence of God. But oh, when he shows up, it's something powerful. But oh, in the middle of my prison, in the middle of silence, in the middle of worry, when I get the presence of God, I start leaping for some reason. It's in the middle of... In the middle of my promises, I feel the presence of God and something in me just starts to jump and it starts to leap and I get excited. John didn't have to make a sacrifice because the sacrifice was already there. (laughs) As a babe in his mother's arms, Jesus sitting there in the womb, the sacrifice was already there. He was the spotless lamb in the womb. Jesus is the only reason that we can be made new. It's time we take off the coats of prisoners and be called his. You may feel like some of these men that I've mentioned today. You may feel like Joseph. You've been hurt by those you held so close. 
You've done the right things that God has called you to do, and yet you're still feeling like you're in prison. You're still being abused. Maybe you feel like David. You've fallen short of the glory of God. You've fallen for your temptations. You're in the middle of that Bathsheba moment. Or maybe you feel like John the Baptist, that you've died. It might not be physically, but maybe you've died spiritually. Maybe you've died emotionally or mentally. We've all been through times like that. But let me tell you, then came Jesus. You see, they all had their coats on. Joseph wore the coat of an abuser. He was abused. He was beaten. David wore the coat of tempted. And John, well, he wore the coat of death. (laughs) But then came Jesus. And aren't you glad that I don't have to wear the coat anymore? I don't have to wear this coat anymore. I don't wear my coat of the abused anymore. I don't wear the coat of the tempted anymore. I don't wear the coat of the dead. No, no, no. I take my coat off. As I put on my new coat, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I put on my new coat. And this new coat is something so much more beautiful. That is the coat of the one that is ready to be the bride of Jesus Christ. It is that of the atonement of Jesus Christ. At the cross, when he died and his blood fell over my body, I put on the atonement of Jesus Christ. I put on his righteousness. I've got a new coat. I am no longer abused. I am no longer beaten. I am no longer tempted. I am redeemed. Somebody ought to shout right now because you got a new coat waiting for you. You got a new coat waiting for you. I got a new coat waiting for me. You may be seated. Zach Gavin, can I borrow you guys real quick? Thank you. Everybody say cheesy preacher visual. (laughs) So what we see here, you've heard this all before. This rope represents eternity. And this little part here that's poorly duct taped represents your life. Doesn't that feel like what we're going through right now? (laughs) Poorly duct taped. So that little piece indicates your whole life that you spend on this earth. And all of that is eternity. That's powerful, isn't it? That we focus so much on that. And that's great and all. You see, everybody says, quit focusing on that and focus on eternity. And that's true. That's powerful. But one thing that we fail to realize, that it's what we do in that little part that dictates where we spend in eternity. You got to make the choice. Am I putting on a new coat here or am I going to keep the coat of the hurt? Am I going to keep my coat just so I can say, well, I've been abused. Just so I can say, I've been hurt. I have sinned. 
Or am I going to make my choice for myself and say, I'm not dealing with that coat anymore. I'm making my choice here so I can spend all of that with God. You see, there's going to be a wedding at this point right here where I'm going to be the bride of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Are you feeling what I'm preaching right now? You can put that down. Thank you, guys. You see, God has got something so powerful. You have to choose to take your coat off. I can't make that decision for you. Pastor can't make the decision for you. You must decide that I'm going to put on my new coat. I've made my decision. I'm no longer abused. I'm no longer hurt. I'm no longer tempted. I am above that. I'm above my sin. I'm above my prison. I'm above my situation. I'm a child of God. I deserve this coat. So what is the new coat? What is this new coat? What does it mean? So here, we believe that there are three steps for salvation. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent. That's just to say sorry to God for all of the sins that you've done in your life. And in, some, in, in a sense, that's a 180 degree turn. Amen? That's what we believe. Second step, to be baptized. That is to be buried. That is to be completely submerged in water. Because that represents death. Death of the old man. That's death of that old coat. That old raggy thing that you've been wearing for years and years and years. That died in that water. And when you come out, you are made new wearing your new coat. You see, we don't believe about sprinkling here. Because that leaves room for that old fabric to still be there. And when that old nasty rotting fabric gets connected on that new stuff, it rots the new. So when you're completely submerged, it kills the whole old coat so you can wear your new one. And the last one is receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is to allow Jesus to make your heart his temple and make your life his dwelling place, to allow him to be with you every day, everywhere you go. And when we do these steps, pastor says it, and I love it, we become betrothed. Everybody say betrothed. betrothed. That's a $5 word. That means engaged. You're engaged. You see, when you join the church and you become a part of the body of Christ or the bride of Christ, let me tell you, there's coming a day where you don't have to worry about your old hurts. There's coming a day when those old temptations aren't even going to phase you. They're not even going to be in your mind. The old hurts, the pains of this world. Yes, this world seems hopeless, but there is greater hope on the other side. Amen. 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 Now let's go to Revelations. Chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, I love what Bishop writes in his commentary in that verse. John was making his stamp. I saw this. I, John, saw this. You're going to know who saw it. It was me. 
I, John, saw this. He saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Y'all, I'm about to lose it up here. It's very interesting that John would use the phrasing in these verses. I love what the pulpit commentary says on this. The holy city is contrary to that of Babylon. It's that complete opposite. Babylon was man's attempt to go up to heaven. The holy city is God coming down to man. Babylon was man saying, I am and there is none else. The holy city is saying, I am all that is there. God is saying, I am Alpha and Omega. And then the bride. It is contrary to that of the harlot spoken of in Revelation 17 and 1. Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. You're not dirty anymore. Your rags are dirty anymore. Your sins are connected to you anymore. You're no longer the harlot. You are the beautiful bride adorned for her groom. Isn't it amazing that being out of alignment with God puts you exactly the opposite of what God is trying to do with the holy city and the bride. Now let's look at the word adorned. The word adorned is speaking to make more beautiful. As the bride being made more beautiful. The day that I married my wife, Grace, was the greatest day of my life. I was so excited to become her husband. She worked so hard on that wedding to make it a masterpiece. And it truly was. We had an awesome wedding. Did all sorts of songs. Y'all, we had a donut wall. It was awesome. We had a choir. A choir. Isn't that cool? But I'll be honest, it would have been kind of lame had she stepped out when those doors opened in the middle of the ceremony and she was wearing a t-shirt and a jean skirt. I mean, work that hard. That's what you're going to wear. That had been a little lame. But that's not what happened. She came out in the most beautiful white dress I had ever seen in my entire life. Now, my wife is beautiful in her t-shirt and jean skirt. But when she put on that new coat, if you will, she was made even more beautiful. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God thinks you're beautiful. So how does he make you more beautiful? It's when you put on the atonement of Jesus Christ. When you put on his righteousness, you are a bride made way more beautiful than you could ever be by yourself. So what are we adorned with? What are we made more beautiful? It's when I take off my carnal coat and put on that of righteousness.
righteousness when I've made my decision in my lifetime that I'm going to be the bride of Jesus Christ that I'm no longer going to deal with my carnal coat and I put on his righteousness at Calvary he decided that he's going to give me this opportunity to put on a new coat I put on the coat of atonement through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Calvary. I've been made pure in the eyes of God. You see this white robe that I wear resembles that and signifies the purity of Jesus Christ that floods over Calvary and covers me. Y'all, I am a dirty, rotten sinner. But through the blood of Jesus Christ that rushes from the foot of Calvary and it comes over me. And you tell me the presence of God doesn't make a difference. You see, at the cross, death wasn't the ending. It was a promise. Let's go to Revelations chapter 21 again. Verse number three. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, this is after John's talking about the bride adorned. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, that they shall be his people. Amen. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I'm taking off my old coat. And he sat upon the throne and said, Behold, I will make all things new. <laughs> and he said unto me, Write, for these words are true, and they are faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will give unto them that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. It's in this lifetime that you've got to make the choice. I'm going to be the bride of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be who I once was. I'm not going to be the sinner that I was. I'm putting on a new coat. Can we lift up our hands and our voices right now? Stand to your feet. Do you believe the Lord's coming back? Do you believe that he's coming back on a cloud? Come on, somebody. As the music prepares its way. Come on, somebody. If you believe he's coming back, you ought to be shouting right now. Because the angels in heaven, they worship without ceasing. We better be prepared right now. We better get ready right here and right now. Come on, somebody. Heaven's a lot louder than this. Heaven's a lot louder than this silence. Come on. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you receive it today? Come on. Heaven isn't silent. It's loud. It's praising. Come on. You haven't felt God in a while. You haven't felt his presence. Get connected with him again. The one thing I want you to notice is that when you pull a thread in Genesis, the pages in Revelation begin to fold. That this story of the coming of Jesus Christ and the redemption and the new city all day back, all the way back to Genesis. So what connects the whole thing? The presence of God. Look at verse number 8 of chapter 21 in Revelation. 
after all that was said by God, I am Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Anybody that thirsts will drink freely. But he has a verse number eight. And this scared me. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. At the end of this lifetime when God comes back everyone is going to be at the wedding. Not everybody's going to be in the wedding. I want to be a part of the groom. I want to be a part of the bride. Come on, somebody. I want to say, I've gone too far to fail now. i faced too many mountains to give up now. I wonder if there's anybody who's battled some things in their life that says, I have sinned. Ones who have dirty rags that have been made clean. Prisoners pulled out of prison. If the angels shout, come on, somebody. If they shout over one person that comes to God, what about the saint that is living their whole life for God? The one that has been living for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. What is going on in heaven over your life right now? Somebody ought to lift their voices right now in this place. Come on, lift your voices right now. God receives no greater joy than to seeing that soul come back to him because he sees the fruit of his labor. Where are you standing right now? What coat are you wearing? It's time to put on a new coat. Come on, make your choice right where you're standing. You don't have to come to the front if you don't want to. You don't have to stand up here. Make the choice for yourself. Make the choice for yourself. I'm putting on a new coat. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I'm tired of sitting in my pew and not feeling God because there's a place in the lake of fire for those that don't get connected with the presence of God. Because I'm making up my mind right now that I'm gonna spend this lifetime for God so I can spend eternity with Him. Come on, somebody, lift up your voices right now and glorify His name. Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.